Please be seated if you're not already. <clears throat> and turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 3 will be our sermon text for this morning. Before we read that together, uh, let's pray together one more time. Oh, our Father, we do pray that you would breathe on us by your Spirit, that you would speak to us by your Spirit through your Word, uh, that you would enlighten our hearts and minds, that you would give us uh, a fuller knowledge of Christ, that you would help us to go deep into the Gospel, and that you would transform us by that, that we would walk in a manner that reflects the gospel and reflects the life of Jesus in the way that we live, in the way that we love, in the way that we serve those around us. Uh, Father, we pray that you would work these things out by your Spirit, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Again, our sermon text for this morning is Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Well, I remember using uh, the phrase grow deep one time, and I had a, a very good friend, a thoughtful guy, who didn't like the phrase grow deep. Things don't grow down, uh, he said, they grow up. And that's fair enough, I guess. Uh, but even knowing as little as I do about plants, I think it's safe to say that at least their roots do grow down. And there is a depth to the Christian life and to Christian theology that requires us to grow deep if we are also to grow fruit. We cannot grow up without also growing down. We must grow deeply if we are to grow at all. And this morning I want to talk about the art of growing up. That is growing up to maturity by growing deep in the weighty things of the gospel. And we're going to answer the question together, uh, how? How do you grow up? And we'll see three things in our text. One is by discerning your diet. Second, by being wary of waste. And third, by developing your digestion. So discern your diet, be wary of waste, and develop your digestion. And uh, one of the keys to growing up is, is eating right. And so I want you to be asking yourself, what food am I feeding my soul? What is my daily diet? So number one, discern your diet. Uh, understanding the difference between milk and meat. 
you know, physical growth requires a proper diet. And I don't know uh, much about a proper diet and you should not take my dieting advice, at least not when it comes to physical food. But scripture is clear that spiritual growth comes through spiritual food. And uh, there are three kinds of spiritual food that we need to talk about. Uh, spiritual malnourishment, spiritual milk, and spiritual meat. Uh, first, spiritual malnourishment. Now, I know I'm not using the word malnourishment the way it's supposed to be used, uh, but uh, if nourishment is something that nourishes food, then uh, malnourishment, the way I'm using it anyway, is something that does not nourish, unfood. Uh, or what do I mean by unfood? Well, Isaiah talks about it in Isaiah chapter 55. He says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? You see, God in the book of Isaiah marvels that some buy and eat that which is not bread and that which does not satisfy. Jesus contrasts food and unfood as well in Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. He says, which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? You know, physically, there are lots of things that do not nourish. And this ranges from junk food to turpentine, right? From empty calories to harmful drugs. And this category of malnourishment, of course, it's not here in our text, but, but we're going to talk about the gospel as our milk and meat and striving for chewing on the deep things of God. But the truth is, sometimes we're not even taking in milk or meat, but we are subsisting on a steady diet of spiritually empty carbs. And Paul warns of this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Do you feed yourself on a steady diet of that which tastes good but profits little? Do you daily ingest the, the wisdom of this world through the news and music and movies and never take in spiritually nourishing truth? Now, it's true. Some of that wisdom may, may even be true, right, as far as it goes, but it will not nourish your soul. And so Jesus even makes a distinction between physical food, which is certainly good, and spiritual food. In John 6, 27, he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And so feeding yourself even on that which is good in this life may be spiritually malnourishing, if you are not much more pursuing spiritual food and drink. Now, of course, in, in contrast to this spiritual malnourishment is the Word of God, which is food for our souls. Jesus says in Matthew 4 that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Word of God is said in 1 Peter, not only to be the seed that gives us birth, but the food that brings us growth. 
And so in 1 Peter 2, Peter says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Spiritual growth comes through spiritual food. And it's not just the Word in general which is our food and drink, but Jesus in particular. Jesus is our food and drink. Jesus is bread for our souls. And so in John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In John 6, 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Now, you might wonder, how do we eat of Jesus? How do we partake of Jesus as the bread of life? Well, thankfully, that's not a mystery. Jesus tells us in that same passage in John 6, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And in verse 54, he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. But just before that, he had said, whoever looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And so feeding on Jesus means looking on him and believing in him. And so do you feed on Jesus? Do you feed on Jesus every day? Do you look to him and believe in him and trust in him and rest in him? Are you wary of that which is spiritually poisoned? Do you limit your intake of that which is spiritually empty? And do you feast on the gospel and the rich fare that God offers in his word? Well, that brings us uh, to spiritual milk versus meat. You know, what, what Hebrews means by milk is, uh, according to chapter 5, verse 12, the basic principles of the oracles of God, or chapter 6, verse 1, the elementary doctrine of Christ. Now, the elementary doctrines are the first principles or the ABC teachings of Jesus or the foundational beliefs of the gospel. Hebrews lists some of those ABCs. In chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he, he, says, he talks about repentance from dead works and faith toward God and instructions about washings and laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And while it is clear that these things are foundational to the gospel, however we understand them, it is actually ironically slightly unclear what the writer means by them. And so these could refer to Old Testament teachings that are fulfilled in Christ. Uh, they could refer, uh, some of them at least, to events in the life of Christ. And they could refer to practices and beliefs of the early church. And many commentators think it's actually best to understand them as Old Testament teachings, and I agree. You see, the Old Testament lays down teaching about repentance and faith, ceremonial washings and laying on of hands, resurrection and judgment. And these Old Testament teachings are the ABCs of the Messiah. And yet either way, right, the elementary things, whatever exactly they refer to, are the basics of the gospel. The question is, if the milk is the ABCs of Jesus, what is the meat? What is what the author calls solid food? I once had a good friend who was a, a fellow pastor, and we were talking about preaching, and I told him I strive to preach the gospel every week. And he said, with a straight face, that must get really boring. 
And then he quoted Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, which says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. You see, the implication he drew from this verse is that the gospel is the ABCs of Christianity. And to grow spiritually, though, you have to leave that and move on to more practical matters, how to live your life. And so here is what I consider a very important question. If milk is the ABCs of Jesus, what is meat? And let me put it negatively first, that the writer of Hebrews is not contrasting the elementary teaching of Jesus with teaching about other things. You see, one never moves on from Christ in the Christian life. You don't move on from Christ. You go deeper into Christ. The contrast here is between the elementary things of Christ and the deep things of Christ. And that becomes real obvious, actually, when you look at the context. Chapter 5, verse 11 says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. There is some deep thing, some meat that he wants to give them, but they need milk, not solid food. What is that deep thing that they need to hear? Well, look back at chapter 5, verse 10. The deep things, the, the weighty things, the meat, is Jesus being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And you see, in, in chapter 6, verse 1, the, the writer of Hebrews is not telling them to move on from the gospel. He is telling them to go deeper into the gospel. He is saying, you are still sucking at the bottle of the ABCs of repentance and faith, but I want you to chew on this. Jesus is our great high priest. See, God gives us good food in the person of Jesus. He is our milk and our meat, our bread and our wine. And let me remind you, just for a moment, of our food and drink. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus, remember Jesus uh, said, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? But just a few chapters earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted by the devil and he was hungry. And the tempter said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But of course, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And what I want you to think about for a minute is that Jesus received stones at that point as God's son that we might receive him as the bread of heaven. His body is true bread. His blood is true drink. He hungered that we might be fed. He thirsted that we might be satisfied. You see, our spiritual nourishment is the one who gave himself for the life of the world. What have you been feeding on? Do, do you live off a steady diet of spiritually empty calories? Have you been sucking at the bottle of the first things of the gospel, or are you chewing on the meat of grace and the deep things of Christ? So number one, discern your diet. And number two, be wary of waste heeding the warning sign of malnutrition. Now, this point uh, will go much faster, but it's a needed warning. And it's part of the main point of this text. Now, don't immediately shut down the computer when I ask this next question. Are you wasting your time here this morning? 
might I be so bold as to suggest that some of you are? Now, I guess there could be one of two causes for that. I could be wasting your time. And as a church, we could be feeding you a steady diet of sentimental self-help and speculative theologizing. Or you could be wasting your time. What is the problem here in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 to 12? The writer says, About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. His hearers have become dull of hearing. They need the basic principles of the oracles of God, milk, not solid food. Now, now needing milk in and of itself is not shameful. Everyone at some point needs the basic principles of the oracles of God. Everyone needs to begin with the ABCs of Jesus. Everyone needs to hear about who he is and what he did in its simplest form. What is the problem here? Verse 12 says, By this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again. You see, the Hebrews have been taught the basic things. They have been Christians for some time, but they have not progressed in their faith. One Puritan pastor called this the disgrace of old babes. <laughs> and uh, maybe you know some old babes, right? Grown men, grown women who never seem to grow up. There is a real danger, though, of not growing up in the Christian life. There is a danger of spiritual milk being unfruitful. Time in the Word does not always equate to growth and maturity. John 14, 9, Jesus said to Philip, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? Paul warns in the last days, meaning ever since the resurrection of Jesus, that people will be always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Do you feel the weight of that? Time in the pew does not equal spiritual adulthood. And maybe some of you listening are old babes. How did you get there, right? How does, how does that happen? Well, we could start with Jesus' parable, right? When he compares his word to a seed that falls on various kinds of soil. Some hear the word, but their hearts are hard like a path, and so the word never sinks in. Others hear the word and receive it in some shallow fashion, but it never puts down deep roots, and so it withers when troubles come. Still others hear the word, but though it grows, weeds and thorns, the cares of the world, choke it out and make it unfruitful. And the only point that I want to make here is this. If you are, if you are not growing in the faith, if you're not bearing fruit, that is a warning sign that you might be receiving the word unprofitably. This is something that really can only be seen over time, of course. If you've been a Christian for a short amount of time and you feel like you haven't been growing, well, talk to someone who is spiritually mature about it. It may be just the normal fits and starts of spiritual growth. It's sometimes hard to see the, the maturation process from the inside. But for others, this may be a real problem. The word has become unprofitable in your life. I actually think there is a, a special type of this danger in the Reformed Church. I mean, uh, have, you ever seen a, uh, have you ever seen a wine tasting event? 
I've actually only ever uh, seen it on Fraser, but at least there, they didn't actually drink any of the wine. They took it into their mouth, they swished it around, and then they spit it out again. They were connoisseurs of wine. I think in the Reformed tradition, there is a danger of being connoisseurs of God's Word. As if one were to chew up rich food and then spit it out without swallowing, so they could talk about how rich it was without actually benefiting from that richness. I'm afraid it is possible to read and read, to listen and listen, attend and attend, study and study, but not profit. Are you wasting your food? Number one, discern your diet, right? Understand the difference between milk and meat. Number two, be wary of waste and heed the warning signs of malnutrition. If you're not growing, something is wrong. Number three, develop your digestion or, or learning the art of spiritual digestion. You know, the, the writer of Hebrews wants us to grow up, to eat rich food, to chew and swallow and be nourished. What is the means of doing this? What is the means of profiting from the word? Is there a method to growing up to maturity? Now, thankfully, again, uh, th th this is not a mystery. Uh, it's not a mystery how you grow up in Christ. There are mysteries in the Christian life, but this is not one of them. And we see here three important parts of the art of spiritual digestion. H how do we grow and ensure that the word is not unprofitable in our lives? Uh, number one, through dependent determination. You see this in chapter 6, verse 3. The writer says, And this we will do if God permits. Now, by this, he means go on to maturity. That's what he says in verse 1. And notice the determination, right? We will go on to maturity. The writer is not wishy-washy here. Well, maybe you'll grow, maybe you won't, maybe we can move forward. No, he is determined that together they will go on to maturity. We see this kind of determination in the Apostle Paul in uh, the book of Philippians chapter 3, where he says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, that's the uh, similar word to mature, not that I'm already mature, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. Do you want to grow in the Christian life? Set your heart on that growth. At the same time, you, you, you can't simply will yourself mature. And so Hebrews says, this we will do if God permits. Again, there is determination, but there is no sense of independence from the will of a gracious God. Hence Paul's exhortation in Philippians chapter 2 when he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, it's not simply believing the gospel. We must respond to the gospel message in faith and obedience. We must not only believe the gospel, but we must practice it, live out its implications. And then as we go on to the deeper things of Christ, they too will take root in us and we will grow to mature, to maturity as Christ permits. 
So not only do we need to consider the food that we eat, not only do we need to consider if we are wasting our time, but we also need to consider then uh, how to, we need dependent determination, a striving after what uh, God has offered to us, and at the same time, depending on God for what he has to offer. But then uh, we also grow in the Christian life through building on the foundation. Now, it, it would be easy to think that uh, it, it, when you read chapter 6, verse 1, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. It would be easy to think that what the writer is saying is, uh, we simply need to uh, abandon what is past and move on to something new. You know, very often students, uh, whether high school students or college students, uh, think about their classes. Why, why am I ever going to use this? Right? How is this important? What difference does this make? And, and uh, they, they think it's unimportant. And the way they see their classes is they're moving from one uh, irrelevant topic to another irrelevant topic. And uh, sometimes, even when that's not the case, they don't see the connection between their classes. They have one class about subject A, and then they move on to another class about subject B. And it would be easy to think that what the writer is saying here is, therefore, let us leave subject A and move on to subject B. Right? That, that language, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, could be read that way. But that would be a mistake. The writer does not want us to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. He doesn't want us to abandon it. He wants us to build on it. The way we go on to, my, on to maturity is by building on the foundation that has already been laid of the gospel. It is by growing more deeply in our understanding of grace. And we need to build on that foundation in two senses. One, in the sense of the Old Testament, right? We've already uh, talked about the fact that the, the, the elementary doctrines of Christ, the ABCs, are what is found in the Old Testament. God, God did not deal with the, the Israelites for 2,000 years only to uh, abandon that and move on to something else. No, He was laying the foundation of grace in His dealings with His people. So that when Christ came, the work of Christ would make sense. And so do you, do you understand the Old Testament? Do you read it? Do you love it? Do you delight in it? Do you know that here, in God's dealings with His people, He is laying the foundations of grace? And that when we begin to understand the gospel, we're building on that foundation. But we build on the foundation also in another sense, in that, in that you, know, you, can, you can say the gospel in a sentence or two. Right? You, can, you can quote John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes on Him would not perish but have eternal life. And those, those kinds of summaries are beautiful and good and rich. And yet even there, we, we, we receive that summary, but then we continue to press into that. We continue to press into, who is this Jesus? What has He done? What does it mean? And we go deeper and deeper into the things of the gospel. And so we must not only uh, have a, a dependent determination to move on and press on to maturity, 
but we must also build on the foundation that has been laid, the foundation of Jesus, as we see him uh, prophesied in the Old Testament, and as we see him uh, living out his work in the New Testament. And so we build on that, not, not, not with other things, but going deeper in our understanding of the gospel. Finally, we grow up to maturity through practiced transformation. You know, it's interesting, uh, it, it would be so easy to, um, to think about spiritual growth, especially the way uh, the author has laid it out here, it would be easy to think about it purely in cognitive terms, as if spiritual growth just, just means growing deeper in my knowledge. Right? I, just, I just need to learn more about Jesus. And as long as I have more knowledge, right, then, um, then, uh, then I will grow. But that's not quite what the writer says. If we think that, we're actually missing what he says here. Uh, notice, he, he, when he talks about children, he says this. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Now that means something like unskilled in the word of righteousness uh, probably means uh, inexperienced in moral reasoning. Right? Uh, the, the, the word, word there could certainly refer to the word of God, scripture, but it could also, uh, the word could also mean reasoning, uh, unskilled in the reasoning of righteousness. And so he's saying to the Hebrews that they, 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 they lack moral knowledge. They lack ethical understanding. Then he, that, that's contrasted with the mature, right? Notice what he says about the mature. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Right? What is it to grow up to maturity? It's not simply to fill your head with knowledge. To grow up to maturity is to have the powers of discernment trained, to, to grow in your ability to uh, discern what is good and what is bad, to, to grow in your ability to distinguish good from evil, he says. And how does that happen? Uh, again, not just from learning facts. It happens uh, from, by, by training that comes through constant practice. You see, it, it is as we put into effect the deep things of God that we understand them more and more. Jesus said at one point, whoever is willing to do God's will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is from God or whether it is from man. And what Jesus is getting at there is he's, if you're willing to do what God says, then you'll know whether my teaching is really of God or not. You see that the, the cognitive is actually dependent on this willingness to obey, right? There, there must be a, a willingness to do the right thing before you can understand. We often disconnect those. We think somebody can understand something regardless of the disposition of their heart. But scripture does not uh, divide up the human being like that. No, if uh, they, we must be willing to obey God, willing to pursue him, willing to commit ourselves to him, before we'll even understand. And the more we want to understand, uh, the more we, we must be willing to obey. And as we work out the principles of the gospel in our lives, as we learn to depend on Christ more and more, as we rest in Him, as we trust in Him, as we pray to Him, 
then we will continue to understand more and more. God will reveal to us. He will enlighten our minds. He will enable us to understand the scriptures so that we're able to obey more and more. And there, there comes this cyclical inter, interdependent relationship between our willingness to obey and our ability to understand. You see, really, there are often uh, two errors, right, when we think about growth in the gospel. The one error is that we, 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 we believe the gospel and then we set the gospel aside and we, now we buckle down and obey. We buckle down and we do the right thing. We buckle down and we keep the law. We buckle down and kind of force ourselves to do the right thing. But that's not right, right? We never leave the gospel. It is the gospel itself that works in us and changes us and transforms us. But the other error is that all I need to do is believe, just sit back and believe, and God will change me. But you know, there is a call to not only believe the gospel, but obey. There is a call to not only believe the deep things of God, but to take up our cross and follow Jesus. And it's as we take up our cross and follow him that God works in us to grow us and to mature us as we face the hard things of life, clinging to the gospel of God's grace in Jesus. And so let us press on to maturity. Let us face the difficult things. Let us take up our cross and follow Jesus, resting in him and pursuing him and seeking to know him more and more that we would revel in the deep things of God even as we press on to maturity in Christ. Let's pray. Oh, our Father, we thank you that you, you push us. You push us. You push us to depend on Jesus. You push us to rest in the gospel. We thank you that you are not willing to leave us as infants, but you desire us to be mature in Christ. And so you want us to depend on him. You want us to rely on him. You want us to rest in him. And you will do whatever it takes to draw us near to you in that way. And so we thank you for the hard things of life. We thank you for the hard things of life that press us to rely on Jesus. We pray that you would push us toward him more and more. That we would learn to rest in the gospel with all our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.